to the fourth edition of Let's Schmooze. I'm Doug Ebach, the original screenwriter for the movie Sweet Home Alabama. Each month, I'll bring on guests for a discussion on topics related to writing for various entertainment media. Today, my guests are Holly Overton, a television writer whose credits include Shadowhunters, Tell Me a Story, and The Client List. Holly is also the author of the novels Baby Doll, The Walls, and Runaway. She teaches television writing at Script Anatomy. And Jay Holtham, a playwright and television writer whose TV credits include Supergirl, Jessica Jones, Cloak and Dagger, and Pitch. Hello, guys. Um, so we're going to be talking about writing spec pilots today. Um, but before we delve, in, delve into that, um, why don't I have each of you tell me the story of how you got started in television writing? Um, because, of course, that dovetails with writing a spec pilot. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, Jay, do you want to start first and give us a uh, Sure, sure. Uh, so I'm a New Yorker, native New Yorker, lived there my whole life, uh, and I used to work in theater. Um, I, I can still consider myself a semi-retired playwright. Uh, I retired in 2015, but have unretired in the last couple of years. Uh, so I did a lot of plays and a lot of sort of theater activities in New York. I worked in theater and did artistic producing. Uh, and long about 2012, I kind of hit my limit on New York and on uh, theater. And so I sold everything I had and moved to L.A. sort of sight unseen, uh, <laughs> on spec, as it were, uh, <laughs> uh, without any TV scripts uh, or film scripts, without having taken more than a like six-week class in TV writing or film writing, uh, and just sort of dived in. Um, I watched a lot of TV. Uh, and wound up writing a spec pilot that uh, got me into the Humanitas uh, and then got me uh, working on Pitch. And since Pitch, it's been sort of gig after gig uh, off of that, originally that first spec. All right, that's, uh, that's a good story. Uh, Holly, <laughs> how is your break in uh, Well, I really, I originally wanted to be an actor and I uh, grew up in Texas and moved to New York for college and went there and did a bunch of, did a lot more um, bartending and waitressing than I did acting. <laughs> and so then my mom was like, you should move to LA. And I was like, I hate LA, but okay. Um, and, uh, and so I was doing the acting thing out here. And then I ended up meeting uh, a feature writer who like, like I won a contest and he agreed to mentor me for a year. And he was like, you should try to write for TV. Like I was writing all these features even back then that were like, you know, dramas that were hard to get made. But he's like, I really see your voice in TV. And so I wrote, um, so I took a class at UC Extension um, and my first TV writing teacher was Bruce Miller who created a little show called The Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I wrote a spec for a, Friday, a spec to, uh, of an existing show for Friday Night Lights. Um, and that got me into the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop. And from there, I like, you know, staffed on all the shows and like, I've just sort of steadily um, done that. But I did find the, in the workshop back then, when I got in, you didn't need an original pilot. You only needed an original, like a, a spec of an existing show. And so when I finished the program and I finished my first staff job, then I had to like be like, now I have to write a pilot. And the pilot that I wrote ended up getting me like a new manager and ended up getting me my new staff job. So I really you know, the importance, like they say it only takes one script and it's really true. Yeah. All right. Well, that actually is a good segue because we are going to talk about spec pilots, but I, um, and I know, you know, television writers today are, are kind of advised or aspiring television writers are advised to write a spec pilot as mm -hmm. their, their way in. But I know that is a little bit controversial and some TV writers advise doing the, uh, you know, spec episode of an existing show. Um, I just had a producer today tell me that he thought a feature spec was a better uh, entree into television than even a, a television pilot. Um, so I'm curious what you 
think about that. Either of you have an opinion. Changes moment to moment, which changed exactly. already on this on this Zoom. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually feel very strongly about it. I mean, I do teach. I teach script anatomy. We teach, you know, like people take original cl classes to write originals, but we also still teach spec writing. And what I've found is that a lot of our writers who are now like getting into fellowships or staffing have like, and you know, have written a lot of specs and their writing is so, it's just so much better. They understand structure more. Um, they understand how it all works because you can write a great pilot and it could take you a year to two years to write a pilot. But if you have to write a spec in a certain amount of time for these fellowships, it has to be fresh, it has to be current, um, it has to be a, an existing show, it can't be something old. So you're really having to like study a show and understand it. And so I say to writers, yes, you may not get a job off of that and everybody's so impatient to want the job, but you're gonna learn the craft. Cause like, you know, we both like had written other things. Like if you're writing plays and stuff, then you understand stories, so it might be easier. But if you haven't done any of that, like that's what you're gonna learn by writing a spec. Yeah, and like I, I go back and forth on it. I think you, one write a good script, and who cares whether it's a spec or not? People, I know people have gotten work off specs, even in sort of this modern day when it's much more focused on pilots. Um, the the argument that I find persuasive about writing a spec is that writing a spec more closely approximates what your job is going to be, uh, and learning to match someone else's structure, match someone else's voice. Uh, and be able to adjust your style for someone else is the job. And like, if you don't develop those tools and work on those tools, staffing is going to be really, really hard for you. Uh, and I, so I definitely recommend at least trying it, at least, you know, giving a spec a shot um, before you work on a pilot. And I know the sort of knock of that is, you know, one... People, like as in the environment, there are so many shows. People haven't watched it; they won't know what's going on. Uh, it's someone else's voice, someone else's vision. But you know, I think about that guy who wrote the, ironically, the 9/11 Seinfeld episode. I think you know, a spec. If you're really good, uh, not really good, but if you work at it really hard, you can write an original sounding, an original feeling spec. Um, and if you do your job right, I think it's sort of like if someone turned on a random episode of a TV show, maybe they won't know all of the details, but they should get a sense of what happened in that episode. And that's the important part, you know? If your spec really requires someone to have watched, you know, seven years of a TV show to understand anything <laughs> on the page, it's not a good spec. Like, you're, you're not doing the job. Yeah, I, although I, I agree with that for sure. Um, but with everything being so much more, um, you know, open-ended and serialized now, it, it was easier to kind of write a spec episode when mm -hmm. most shows were, you know, when the, everything was a procedural or a sitcom or something where everything stood alone. So I, I feel like, and I don't know, this is just my personal feeling, but, you know, the problem with writing a spec for a show that's on right now is you write something and then they immediately go a different direction in the storyline and now you look like you don't know what's going on in the show. So <laughs> do you think that's a problem? Yeah. Or, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's funny because I like, you know, I remember like when I wrote my Friday Night Lights, like it was like in between like right before they like, you know, had an entirely new cast and there was no way, you know, like because basically between like seasons three and four, everyone graduated and it was almost a new show besides yeah. like the coach and his wife. And I remember, you know, there was like a few core characters. and I remember being like, oh, God, like when I watched it, but you know, like, like Jay said, it, it was a great spec. So like people didn't really care. And I think too, like specs are 
likely not going to get you that the job maybe like like showrunners not as many like i know there are still some and it's a very mm-hmm. heated discussion on twitter often yeah. but uh but like if you're you if you're trying to break in there's no reason why you shouldn't be entering these fellowships and shouldn't be like yeah. trying to get you know if it's it should take you if you're if you're prepared to like staff it should take you like you know, a month to write a spec, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm giving that, I'm giving that, I'm giving you a little window because you definitely have to write a script faster than that when you're on staff. So mm-hmm. what's a month of your life if it means you're going to get an interview for a fellowship or get into a fellowship that leads to your first staffing job? Right. And I would say also, like, breaking in for me, you've got to be strategic and you've got to be smart. You've got to be thoughtful as a writer. And like, if you're doing a series that has a long time, I wouldn't write the episode that, yeah, that, that comes after this year's finale. Cause yeah, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know what's going to do. Pick a point further back. Like you can pick a point at any point in their history. Cause again, it's a sample, you know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't even have to really fit in continuity. And that's, that's what I mean about allowing yourself. You could write a spec where you kill off all of the characters, <laughs> you know, like it's still, it's still the point is, is this going to be a fun thing for someone to read? And once they're done, are they going to say, I should talk to this person? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, you know, good writing is, is good writing, whether it fits in continuity of the show or not. So you can yeah. tell character, you can tell dialogue, all that, that sort of thing. So, um, okay, so, so advice is to write a spec of an existing show first. Uh, again, not the topic of the, uh, that I set out for this, but any, <laughs> any advice to someone choosing to do that? Any, any advice about the way to do that? Um, I would say pick a show you're really passionate about and that you really know like inside and out, but also like pick a show that like, that is like, is something that you can also write. Cause there's that it's different than being a fan of something and being like, Oh, I love dark murder mysteries. I want to write a spec of the outsiders, but that's not really what you do. Or like saying, I'm going to write a procedural, but you don't really know procedure like, and you want to do character. So like, I think it's really important. Like I had a writer I worked with once who was going to write a killing Eve spec and and he turned it in like, and I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, this doesn't really feel like your voice and who you are. And he ended up writing a good fight. And it was like such a great spec. And, and, and I would also say, when you're thinking about what to write, find something really specific that like you bring to it. Like when I wrote my Friday Night Lights, it was about a homecoming and Texas football. Um, but in my high school at the time, there was, or the middle school, there was all like, when I was growing up, there was always like bomb threats. And so like, I took this like really personal thing that would happen and made it like the core focus of my spec. So the more personal you make it, cause then when someone talks to you about this, your spec, you're not just talking about the show, but they're like, Oh, this, this a story is really interesting. It's very specific. What made you think of it? And then you get to tell a personal story from your own life. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, Oh, that person's really interesting. I want that person in my writer's room. Yeah, I mean, that is always the goal, is to get them asking about you and talking, get you talking about yourself. Um, I, same thing, I've won all that advice, exactly. Like, a show that you know well, a show that you can write, a show that feels like it's within your wheelhouse, you know? I wouldn't recommend trying to spec, uh, like, Legion right off the bat. Like, that's, I mean, maybe if you're that kind of writer, but just, you know, like find a show that you really can get inside of and that you really know the rhythms of uh, uh, to make sure that, like, your spec still feels... I mean, that's the great thing about specs. Like, when I say that I didn't know really anything about TV writing, I'm pretty serious. Like, I knew story structure, I knew character and motivation, but what I did was I watched a ton 
of supernatural and bones. And like watching that much supernatural and bones, you sort of like by osmosis get a sense of how a store how a TV show is structured. Uh, and I always recommend people watch those, especially because like you watch a show like Mad Men or Legion or or something else, one of these you know really serialized, really sort of out there artistic things. I always feel like I don't I don't know how Noah Hawley did that. I've got <laughs> no idea how he came up with any of that. But you watch Supernatural and like, oh okay, I I can see what this does. I can I can replicate this. This is achievable for me. Uh, and it's a good stepping stone because you still have to learn that stuff before you get to your pilot. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I was going to say like, that, that's a, that's a great example of like, cause there's rules. Right. And like, even if like, if you were to really careful, I mean, I'm sure if we did carefully break down Mad Men and, and Legion, there's, there's some format to it. Like mm -hmm. there's, you know, yeah. but it's not as easy to understand. And like, and for a writer who's just starting out, like your craft level isn't where Noah Hawley or Matt Weiner is. So some of these other shows where the structure's a little more easy to understand, that's where you're gonna learn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, speaking about like the, um, what the, the need to be able to write something fast, I have heard that uh, concern or, or I wouldn't, wouldn't call it a complaint exactly, but I've heard showrunners talking about the challenge of like you read this great sample, but like, maybe they took two years to write it, you know, and like, you're not yeah. going to have two years. So, um, so maybe something that's a little more timely actually is a benefit to show that you were able to do it, you know, fairly quickly. But then of course it ages as time goes on and you know, next yeah. time rolls around, but hopefully you're writing a, a new stuff anyway. Um, yeah. But to also be maximally fair, at least a third of the writing process when you're in a room is shared work is, or, in, or at least in the rooms I've been, it's not, you're not like, Although there are those rooms. I actually heard Supernatural is one of those rooms where it's like, this is your episode, here's your basic premise, go break the entire thing on your own, and then write the entire thing on your own. And I'm like, those kind of rooms terrify me, because I'm used to at least breaking story with other people. I'm like, yeah, I've got a week to write it, but at that point there's an outline that exists, and it's easy to just be dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Um, and having, you know, worked on the structure as a, a group, writing my own spec, having to do all of that, all of that work on my own was a lot. Like, I was like, crap, this is really hard, you guys. Well, that's actually one of the things I think about writing a pilot as a sample or the expectation that you'd write a pilot is like, all right, so now you're expected to create a show that's a viable show, like not just be able to write a good episode, but create a whole show. Like that's a big thing for someone who not working yet so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. has no experience in a room or anything yeah so um so that is interesting um so i'm curious this actually may apply to both um the spec episode or a pilot as a sample um there's so much different kinds of television now from you know of course we had broadcast and cable and then streaming or premium cable and streaming and now even with like quibi that's there's all different kinds and forms um any thoughts on like what's the right kind of thing to to do to show your work? I think, I mean, I think like if you really want to work in broadcast, then write a broadcast type spec, right? Like write the NCIS crime procedural that's really specific to you or the half hour sitcom that's like, you know, like a mom or, you know, something like that. I think if you're like, I'd rather, I want to work in streaming, you've got to write that like, you know, I mean, I hate this word, but it's, you know, it's like, you've got to write that edgy, different sort of 
out there kind of sample, that can still get you a broadcast job, but it doesn't work the other way around. It's really mm -hmm. hard to write the like, procedural like very by the book like you know it can still be great but something that like cbs or you know nbc or something might want to buy and then kind of get people to consider it as much for streaming jobs it kind of it doesn't i mean it can happen but i found that it's really kind of like that edgy cool kind of sample can still go towards a broadcast job yeah same very much the same like write the show you want to be on write the show you want to see in the world you know either either a spec or a pilot it's like if you were, you know, the president of TV, what show would you greenlight uh, and write that? Um, and, you know, in some ways, your passion for it is going to come through on the page. You know, like, uh, whoever is reading it is going to know this is a story you care about, you invested in, uh, and that counts for a lot. Yeah, I, I think that there's a similarity in features, you know, for, for me, and, and, you know, I know a lot of feature writers, we have that, that, spec script that like everybody's like I can't make that but it gets you so much work right so, yeah. the thing everybody wishes they could make and, and maybe there's a similar thing in television right like something that's so like personal and out there and everybody's like that's cool but they're afraid of it kind of mm -hmm. but then you know they're happy to put you on something else and say bring a little bit of that to what, what we're <laughs> right. doing you know? yeah. well, I wrote I wrote a spec and like and it was like it's you know it's like a murder mystery but it's very it's like very just the structure is very different and it's gotten me more meetings than anything I've ever written. But like, they're always like, what's the show? Cause it's like, it's kind of out there. So like, as far as like getting, you know, like it's, I mean, it's sold once and like, you know, and like, it's still like the sample that I used probably the most, even though it's a few years old. Um, but it what it is one of those things where like people just love the writing and the voice and that's what you want you know it may yeah. not it may not be a show that gets greenlit and obviously that would be ideal but if people get excited about it and excited about you that's the goal of this of the pilot right it's in a in a weird way it is a sales tool and it's a sales tool both for yourself and for the show uh i go sort of back and forth on it like when i when i approach writing my first pilots like, I'm a genre person, I love sci-fi, I love fantasy, I take all of that stuff very, very seriously, but I really needed to learn structure and learn story and learn how to build a script. And so my first pilot was a cop show. Uh, I'd hit upon, like, a story that I read that was like, this is interesting, it's an interesting character, I can relate to this character, but let me write something that's more grounded in a more real world where I have to do less world building and less explaining so I can just focus on the story and the characters uh, and learn the craft before I'm going to approach trying to write a sci-fi fantasy thing that may be nearer or dearer to my heart, but that, like, is just unwieldy, you know? Right. Okay. So, um... So now let's kind of like zero in on the actual topic. Uh, you're going to write your pilot. <laughs> That's going to be your sample. Um, and I guess like right now, let's assume that you're you're sort of a new writer trying to get that first job or get into one of the fellowships or something. Um, so uh, what what do you think is most important that you get across in that pilot? Like what's sort of your goal for that that pilot? I, I feel like the question I get most now when I'm when I'm like, you know, either pitching or thinking about what I want to write is why are you writing this? And I feel like because of like the world and that we're living in now, social justice is obviously so much more important. We're dealing with a pandemic, a health crisis, a climate crisis, like 
buyers and like people who are reading your work, like they want to know that you have something to say, right? So yes, you want to entertain them and not every story has to deal with, but there has to be something. And I think if you can also, again, go, go like deeply personal so that when they read that and then they like meet with you, then they're like, wow, like not only did this person like tell an entertaining story, but they had a message, they had a strong theme, but it was relevant to them and also felt relevant to me in some way. Because the, the goal is that you try to connect. So I think that's something like, not just, it's not now enough, I think, because there's so many great writers out there. Like there's so many more people writing. People are all over the world now being able to like, so I think it's like say, like not just being like, this is a great idea, but what's the like next layer beneath that great idea? And why is that going to get someone excited about it? Exactly. And then like to sort of jump on that, like there's the this elusive thing that is voice that is and point of view and personal philosophy is part of it. Uh, and part of it is just the, the feel of the, the words on the page, you know, like really think about and really spend your time. Every single word on that page is part of telling your story, part of conveying tone and world and all of that. Uh, and it's like you've you've got to think about that, and you've got to think about like why am I telling this story? What part of this story is important to me, uh, and what what am I trying to communicate to whoever is reading this, uh, and how do I communicate that as clearly and effectively, and in some ways as quickly as possible? You know, you want in the first couple pages, you want to tell them this is the world you're in, this is what's going on these are to some degree the stakes and the characters let's go you know and trying to in order to do that you've got to really really refine that in yourself and really refine your sense of the story down to a point so that you can you can do the fine work yeah yeah so um and you know you and i met uh if i remember correctly on a panel at the hollywood festival mm -hmm. all the the first five pages uh yep. I believe was, the, was what it was. And it was kind of about like the, the heavy lifting that those first five pages yeah. do. So, um, you know, I think like one of the things we talked about is you don't want to overload those opening pages with a bunch of exposition or a setup for your imaginary series that will probably never get made, right? But, <laughs> um, you know, like you've got to get to, we got to show character, we got to show story right off the bat because that's what they're looking for when they're being a staff. And really, if they're looking to, to consider it as a series too, probably they want to know that that, that stuff's in there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I found sometimes a lot of times in the first five pages, like people will introduce like a lot of characters too. like, it's like, oh, it's an ensemble drama. And there's like seven characters within like the first two pages. And you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to know all these people like slow it down, you know, like get us, get it, you know, like we need an entry point, right? Like who's this person that you're following? Who's the, who's the person that you're going to care about? Even if it is an ensemble, because um, Sex in the City was an ensemble, but you still had Carrie Bradshaw as your center. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, you've got to be like, look at the, the best examples. Look at the West Wing and like the West Wing one does start with like a two person scene that lets you know, OK, this is Sam Seaborn. This is what's going on. And then finds a you find a, a, a trigger to introduce those other characters in circumstances where we can understand what's going on. You know, I still also, though still in pursuit of my white whale, which is a challenge Glenn Mazzara uh, had thrown down in a, a, a workshop I was in with him, where he wanted to read a spec where there was no dialogue in the teaser. Uh, and I'm like, oh, oh. And still, can you can convey story and action and all of that. And I'm like, that's, that's <laughs> glorious, you know? 
that might fall into that category of like, you know, kind of making that bold choice, which kind of cuts against what the expectation is to really yeah. Yeah. stand out. Yeah. yeah. And the big swings, you know, of course you miss a lot of the big swings too, but then when you hit that, that can really work. Yeah. I mean, a, not exactly a rule of thumb, but a, a sort of goal for me in thinking specifically about specs and specifically about them as samples. This is sample work. It's not necessarily the, the Mad Men script that you're going to carry around for 10 years or this, you know, creed script of yours. It's like, this is my sample. And, like, for me, it's, a, like, a strong first five pages, but the first five pages should be so strong and so clear that if the person literally flips to the last three pages, they still understand the story that happened in between. And, like, that's, again, the holy grail. is like, then you've done it. Then, the, like... One, you save them a lot of time. They don't have to actually read the whole thing. <laughs> but also, like, your story is so clear that the setup, no matter what has happened in between, still makes sense. It's not like they're reading that last page and they're completely confused or it feels like it's some other world. Yeah, I did. I heard a showrunner one time talk about how, to the point of how important those first few pages are, is that they said they rarely had time to read more than 10 pages, even when they liked it, because they really just had to, they had so much reading to do and so much other work to run a show, of course, but, um, you know, they really just had to make a decision based on the opening. So, um, you know, it's interesting, the idea of like flipping to the last three pages, um, because I also had the experience long ago when I was an intern reading scripts at uh, Zoetrope of reading a script that the first 10 pages were amazing as a feature script the first 10 pages were amazing and then it was clear everything after that was first draft right and <laughs> someone had told this writer like the first 10 pages is everything and so that's where they put all their energy i'm like it's great but you do actually have to deliver the rest of the script <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you really do. So, so you better be prepared for them to flip back to those <laughs> good any other uh, any other sort of like craft or goal tips for writing that pilot as a sample a lot of writers like think that like okay like they just hear about these like you know you know like the mickey fishers who sell the pilot that to like and becomes a series on you know cbs and like and those are great stories and i think like we all need that hope but like kind of just going in and knowing that like you're you're like like jay said your pilot is a sample and it's great if you can sell it but i just like i like get done lots of talks and i'm in a class once and they were like, every writer was like, I just want to be a showrunner. I don't want to work on anybody else's show. I want, and I was like, like, it was like a whole panel of established writers. And a lot of us didn't have our, sh our own shows yet. And it's like, what do you guys think we're trying to do? Like, we've put in the work and the time. And so I think like, kind of just understanding that like, you're st like your first pilot, like, I think my first, first pilot is pretty terrible when I go back and read it. But I think it did have a strong voice and it did have a strong hook. I think that's the other thing, like have a strong hook, have a log line that's going to like make, you know, make you stand out. Um, but I think just like being realistic and knowing that like, if this, if your first pilot gets you staffed, you are doing so well, <laughs> like you are doing amazingly well and should be really proud of that. But the like only sell it and, or, you know, get a show made or bust, that's a really like naive way to go in and think about it and it can happen. It's great. But you know, I think it's not super realistic. Yeah. And I would say in terms of craft, like one second, everything Holly just said, listen to her. She's super smart. <laughs> Uh, and I would say in terms of craft, what I also run into a lot with uh, earlier writers or newer writers is they've got some great idea for a show that's got a, a huge twist that's going to come like three seasons in. And I'm always like, put it in the pilot. <laughs> Just put it in the pilot. Like, 
it's your one shot. Don't hold back. Don't like, don't save anything. Like get it on the page, start your story. as close to that twist as possible. Um, because yeah, you don't, we, we can, we're not really going to be here for a three year slow burn, you know? That is an interesting. Uh, that is such good advice, Jay. Oh my god, that's like my favorite advice. It's so true because people will be like, "No, no, no, that comes in the series season finale," and I'm like, "Where? Who's watching your season finale? Like, it has to go early." I, yeah, I've also heard people talk about like, "Well, I don't want to burn through story too fast," and I'm like, "It's a pilot. Like, like you got to get to the story, right? Like, yeah. You know, look at look at the Breaking Bad pilot. How much <laughs> happened in that 45 minutes? You know, that's yeah. amazing." Um, yeah, and uh, but, uh, but I think Doug, I think like peak TV is. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was. I think peak TV is sort of like hurt that because like you'll watch a, a show like um, Mine Hunters, and obviously that's like, but it's a slow paced show, and it's David Fincher, and so we get that because we know he's building. But if if I'm reading a newer writer and it takes. 17 pages for me to know what the plot is like i'm putting that script down like you know you're not it doesn't matter how good the writing is um and so i think that's something really important that like writers like like pace and and getting to like the big moments in a script are so important yeah i, I want to actually holly jump back for a second to something you were talking about in terms of that that you know series or bust, you know, the auteur kind of theory of television, I guess you would call it. Um, and that, that's an interesting thing because I, I hear that a lot. And also I've been on panels where, you know, people during the Q&A will kind of bristle at the advice to, you have to be like a person people can get along with, you know, like that you have to be, be someone that can be pleasant in the room. And they're like, but if I'm a great writer, why should I have to be a good person? And which I'm like, why are you making that argument? That's like, first of all, like, like you're fighting to not be nice. I don't understand. but. Um, but it, it's an interesting thing because I kind of feel like, do those people really want to work in television if that's their idea? If the only thing they can do is create their own original thing, um, television maybe isn't the place for them. Um, I don't know. I, I guess you can't really give that advice. Don't go into television. But uh, <laughs> that just seems to be an observation I have. Is like, do, do you understand what this business is like? You know, if your only thing is you have to control everything, you're not going to be happy yeah. here. I, the irony of what I was saying before is that Noah Hawley worked on Bones. He was staffed on Bones for like three years, you know, uh, and then created Fargo and Legion. And it's like, you know, it's the, I don't know, it's the, it's also the old story about um, uh, the creation of the Shield uh, and uh, Sean Ryan working on um, Nash Bridges with Carlton Cruz and all, and Glenn Mazar and all these guys. Uh, and they had, you know, the story is they have, there was a list of things that Nash Bridges could not do, like rough up a subject, a suspect, plant evidence, curse, do all these things that were, that was not going to happen on Nash Bridges. And then Sean Ryan sat down to write a pilot where a cop broke every single <laughs> one of the rules in the pilot, you know, and that became the shield and, you know, the off to the races, like. Staffing is really important for learning how to be a writer and being at least a person that people can stand being around for eight to 10 hours is key to staffing. Uh, and I still, I still get mad a little bit about, you know, the sort of culture and I don't blame the writers obviously cause they're writers, but it's the culture that I've, I attribute a little bit to the sort of agency mindset and the, the we're looking to sell things mindset of You've got to sell a show. You've got to sell a show out off the bat to, to make a splash. 
And it just, you know, really robs people, has robbed people of writing more specs, watching more TV, of wanting to be a staff writer. Yeah, yeah I think I'm, I've, I was like, I have a friend who was like, you know, like, and I've had friends who have managers who are like, oh, I don't want to staff you. I'm only going to sell, try to develop and sell. And like, cause staffing's too hard. And I'm like, I don't know how staffing's any harder, like, I mean, on the, you know, for anyone than it is to sell a show and then get the, that show made. Um, and I, and I, at the end of the day, I think that's a, a, a money issue because for representation, it's like, you're going to make a lot more money if you sell a writer's show than if you just get, you know, a staff writer is not going to pay a writer, an agent's bills or manager's bills. Um, but I think for like, there is a little bit of like with the Netflix, Hulu, like with all of that, of writers feeling like, oh, well, I'm too good to do X, right? Like, oh, I don't want to, I only want to do. And, and I think like, it's so hard to even get whatever job you're getting in TV um, and sort of just having that gratitude, but also like it is a training ground. And a lot of times now with the way that the business has shifted, there's so many like mini rooms and you're on a show that like you might break the show like this year and that show's not airing until 2022 and you're not even going to be on set for that show. And so I think like for writers who think like, I'm just going to sell a show and then it'll like, you're missing out because those, those, like those jobs are harder and harder to come by because the rooms are smaller, the orders are shorter. Mm -hmm. And so I think like, if you have a great pilot and someone wants to staff you, I would, I would jump on that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and did Jay, to your point, like, yeah, I think the, the learning part is key because, you know, I think there's this idea that these guys that create these great shows, the Matt Winers of the world are like, they were, they were always that guy just waiting for the opportunity. And it's like, no, they learned how to do that by being on these other shows, right? Like, yeah. or Sean Ryan, you're saying, it's like, maybe he wouldn't have written The Shield if he hadn't had that Nash Bridges experience. So, so you're not really robbing yourself. But I also agree, Holly, that, you know, I think it, this could be, a, this probably will end up being a whole other uh, uh, podcast here is uh, your agents don't always have your best interests, surprisingly, <laughs> at heart, right? So, Stop it. That's not true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And sometimes they may even think they do, but like, you know, like they're driven by a certain like money formula. Um, yeah. It's a little bit of a lottery system. And, you know, like really, it doesn't really work that way most of the time for a successful writer. So sometimes you have to kind of be wary of agent advice. Mm -hmm. So um, what about, is there any difference between writing a pilot to get staff versus writing one to try to sell if, if that was hmm. your goal? I I think a little bit, like, I mean, the, the, the spec that I wrote that like got attention, like I kind of knew that because the device that I was using to tell and the way that I was telling the story, like it's a murder, it's a show about a murder, but we know who's the killer by the end, right? So I wasn't trying to write a whodunit, like I was trying to write a psychological thriller, right? Um, and how this person's gonna be captured and how this murder affects all the characters. But I think, you know, and I've had meetings about it that I was like, if I was trying to, just sell this, I would have approached, I think I would have like saved some stuff, you know, or like had a few more, like the cliffhanger, like I would have just, I would have approached it differently. Um, so I do think that there's, you know, like it's the thing to get attention is like, this is a sample or it's the thing that like, this is what I know these buyers like, or this, or if I'm trying to like approach something like they like a specific structure or like CBS isn't gonna buy a show that's like an avant-garde procedural, um, you know, like, cause I think they tried to make, um, uh, LA Confidential and like, you know, like they were just never going to probably like, and I know the writer who did that, they were never going to like make that show the way that that, you know what I mean? So I do think there is something about being a little bit inside the box 
if you are just trying to sell something, which, which is, or you're just trying to get attention and get that first job or just staff. Yeah, I would, I would definitely concur with that, that like sort of a little bit contrary to what I just said, like you, you do want to think about, okay, this is going to be, I'm trying to sell a series. Like really, again, it's still a sales document, but in this you're trying not just to sell yourself, but you're trying to sell a whole series. And so what you want the sample to be, you want the sample to, to one, end in a way that they're like, I need to know what happens next. And two, you want it to, to give a sense of like, what's the engine of this series? What am I gonna be watching? Uh, and you gotta think about it. That's another reason why I almost feel like you shouldn't, you shouldn't try to sell and you know, the guild, doesn't keep you from doing it, but there are sort of structures that kind of slow down the process of selling until you've been in a room, until you've staffed, until you've worked on a show, because you don't really, it's hard to really know what, what building the engine of a show is like until you've had to break, you know, 10, 20 episodes of a TV show. Uh, and there's a lot of sort of learning that happens there. And so, you know, coming to a pilot that like, okay, I'm going to try to sell this. It is very much thinking about like, what is someone really thinking? What is someone going to be watching every week? Uh, who are they going to be watching? And even to a certain degree, what sets are they going to be using? What locations are they going to be using? You know, thinking about the market, like where, where do I want to sell this and how much money is it going to cost to make this thing? Um, and those are sort of slightly higher level kinds of thoughts to have. Yeah. And, um, you know, it kind of dovetails too with that idea of like wanting to sell a series or nothing, um, <laughs> you know, because a lot of times then, and so the, then people come to, people come to me and say like, well, everybody's telling me if I want to sell my series, I have to attach an experienced showrunner. So how do I find that person? But like to, to Holly's point earlier, it was like, those people are all trying to sell their own series. Like they don't <laughs> want to help you right they spent their time earning their right to be a showrunner so um yeah i mean obviously it happens sometimes where someone buys something from a, a newer writer and then and then the you know there's money involved and there's a it's a go show and then a showrunner might get interested but yeah if you're just out there specking and the idea of you're going to attach an experienced showrunner is probably not realistic i think but we've heard all, all like we've heard and seen the stories about like the newbie who comes in and gets a show and it's super exciting and then like a few months later, they're fired because they couldn't play nice. They didn't know the rules. They felt threatened. And there's are those stories about the person that hires them takes over the show. Like you never know. I mean, it's a marriage, right? And like, you know, I think like Suits is a great example. Like the guy was a first time creator and they brought someone in to supervise him and he did it for a couple seasons. And then he was like, you know how to do this. Here's your show. Yeah. And I mean, that's the best case scenario. But I think like, it is like, like, like Jay said, you've got to, and like you were talking about, like, you've got to have the personality. If you're the person, cause I've been on shows where showrunners have gotten fired. Like everybody thinks they're irreplaceable and it's just not true. Like mm -hmm. anyone can get fired even if you are the person with the brilliant idea of the show that they bought, because yeah. at the end of the day, once they have the show, they're like, well, it might not be as good, but we'll have a lot less headaches. And that's yeah. what they want. They want a great show with not as, with not, with no headaches. So I think it's like really important to say like, you could be a good writer, but if you're a jerk, like not to say jerks don't do well in this town, cause we all know that's true, but it's a lot harder to get those breaks. You know, if you earn that reputation, especially when you're starting out. Yeah, well, or, or famously Aaron Sorkin getting fired off West Wing, not for being a jerk, but because like he couldn't write at that TV pace, right? And yep. he didn't really know how to delegate 
because that wasn't his style. So. Yep, exactly, exactly. I mean, there's, you know, one of the things that uh, my friend Steve Harper told me when I was just starting was you're essentially running a multi-million dollar small business for someone else. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, if you can't find in, somewhere in you to be a good manager, being a showrunner is not for you. It's a very high stress, very difficult job that is mostly not writing. And it's sometimes weird and we'll see as, you know, sort of developing. And I think the, the winds in the industry are certainly sort of changing, um, not necessarily for the, for the better in some ways, but we'll see how, whether or not it continues to be writers as sole showrunners um, because it's a lot of power to hand people who are not always equipped to deal with it. Yeah, I've definitely heard that from, from writers that are like, you get put in charge of this thing that you your experience has not trained you. I mean, it has trained you a little bit, but it's like you're being asked to do things that was never what you learned to get into the business and to become a successful TV writer, you know, with budgeting and casting and things like that. That it's yeah. like, that's, you know, suddenly you're now responsible for all this stuff. Um, yeah, HR. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that actually, that actually brings me to another question, which, um, you know, so um, with the caveat, first of all, that I know neither of you have a crystal ball of what the future <laughs> holds, but um, the television business was changing a lot before COVID-19, before the coronavirus happened, and now that's kind of blown everything up and created, who knows if it's temporary or permanent changes in some cases. Um, do you have any thoughts on where television is heading and if there's anything a aspiring writer or even, you know, a working writer should be thinking about? right now wow um i mean not i mean i have no clue where it's going like i i think like you know there's a i think there's going to be like more levity and they're going to like maybe not as many of the like dark serious dramas but who knows like i've like i know that then i see then i read the trades and they're buying that too um but i would say just like now's the time to like it's easy to get discouraged and like there are a lot of people leaving la and a lot of people who are saying like now you don't even have to live here anymore to be in the business, um, which I think is the advice I've heard people giving. And then I'm like, but it's all going to come back here. So I don't, I think that's a little like wishful thinking on people's parts who don't want mm-hmm. to stay in LA because it's an expensive city. And, um, but I think just to like write the passion project, like Jay said, like write that thing that like now's the time to do that, especially if you're like trying to break in, like write the thing that scares you, write the thing that you're excited about. Um, because I do think there is still a market. And also I think like there's a, there's a a great push for diversity, which like, I hope it's not a fad. I hope it continues. I think like everybody is really looking for that. And I'm hoping that that's something that's going to continue, but it is something people are hungry for right now. So I think anybody who's writing should be thinking about that too. Yeah, definitely think about diversity. Definitely think about, yeah, think about your personal philosophy and writing the thing you care about always. Uh, And the other thing is try not to think about the business. Try not to think in some ways about um, the pandemic and how it's going to change. Like, we don't know. You know, right now, everything is up in the air. It may all settle back into the same place it was. You know, it may be something completely different. You know, depending, every everything for the rest of this year is so up in the air. Uh, and we won't really know how any of it's going to shake out until, like, midway through next year. That it's hard to plan, so don't. Just, like, write a script you give a shit about and do what you can to get it out into the world. And that's always going to be the, the best thing you can do. Um, that's uh, that's good, inspiring uh, advice there. Uh, good to kind of like start to head to wrap this up. Any uh, any final thoughts on on someone writing there? 
I would also say, um, and this is more not a, a, to Jay's point about getting your work out there is like, and this is also controversial. So I'll like, like, I, I don't even like go there on Twitter because I'm afraid, but I still think that the reason of my career, like, like big breaks I've gotten are because I entered contests and it got my work in front of people that mattered and people who, you know, even if it wasn't like winning, you know, winning big money or winning, it was like meeting people who knew people or who were going to give me advice that I wasn't going to get from my peers because they weren't, you know, professional writers. So I think like doing your research, because there are a lot of scams, um, but doing your research on contests and like, and then putting your work out there. Because if you're just sitting in your, in your house and you're writing script after script, you're not going to know if it's good. But I have just seen not just myself, but so many writers I'm friends with over the years who've gotten breaks that once you start getting, you know, honorable mention or second round or, you know, whatever, like your work is hitting and it tells you like, okay, the script is almost there, but not quite. Um, and so I think that's just really important as opposed to just waiting for the agent or manager to like come knocking because it's really hard to get repped, but everybody wants to rep that person who's already been validated in some way. And so those contests are really good ways to get that pilot or spec script you, you're, you're writing um, to get that some validation to then say to the agent or manager you met like, hey, my script just won Austin Film Festival or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I would one double down on all of that, and two, I would yeah just go back to you write, just write as much as you can, and in some ways most importantly finish, finish the script, get to the end, even if it's not the perfect end, even if it's not right, but finish it because you're not going to get a job for half a script, you're not going to win a contest with half a script. Like actually finishing the work is is so key and pushing yourself to finish it uh, and make sure, even if you only finish one thing a year, you know, you don't have to, sometimes people get caught up in the, in volume and trying to write so many different things. And I'm like, just finish the script. And once it's done, then you can think about the next thing or you can think about revisions or, or whatever else needs to happen, but make sure you finish it. Yeah. And I, and I do think there's, um, you know, not to, to say volume is everything, but, I feel like you get better by doing different things. And sometimes you maybe go back to a script and once you've written a couple of others and realize how to fix it, but you don't get there unless you kind of move on and, and try the yep. next thing, right? So, um, so good. So any other, any other final thoughts? I was going to say, if you spent more than a year on a script, like it's time to move on, right? Like you said, yes. like, like if you're still like, but I wrote this, if you're telling your friends about this script that you wrote a year ago and you're still like excited about it, but nobody else is like, it's like, put that away and be proud of what you did, but move on. Because yes. I know I've written, I wrote a script once and I was like, this is it. This is the script that changes my whole career. And it was like, it was like literally like, nope. Like it was like, it got nothing, like no attention. I like, I don't even think it got me a meeting. Like it was just like, it just wasn't the script. So like, don't hold on to that one project for, you can put it aside and you know, maybe it'll come back later, but you're going to get better with each, each script. So don't be precious with that one you wrote. Yeah. Uh, to double down on that, it is, as they say, a marathon, not a sprint. You're building a career. So take your time, write your things, keep working and just keep moving forward. Always just keep pushing forward till you get to the end. Um, because yeah, otherwise, yeah, don't, don't rest on your laurels. Don't, and don't sort of invest in this one thing is the thing that's going to make my whole career. If that's your one idea, you're not going to have a career anyway. So you're going to have to have more than one idea, more than one script, more than one iron in a fire somewhere. 
that's all great advice. So thank you guys so much. This was great and I think will be very helpful to everybody. And thanks everyone for joining us today. I hope to see you next time for more discussions of film and television writing. Thank you.